When you're feeling bad and you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Anyone know that song? Daniel Tiger, exactly. That's what Daniel Tiger sings when he gets angry and frustrated. He sings that song. When you're feeling bad and you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. And then Daniel does just that. He takes a deep breath, counts to four, and is able to focus on the situation in front of him. And actually, I see my daughter doing the same thing. I can't tell you how many times she stamped her foot. Oh, man, and when you see Hattie angry, it's, it's, actually, it's actually really funny. But, um, you know, she makes this, like, very crunched face. And I said, what would Daniel Tiger do? And she actually sings, when you're feeling bad, right? And she, she, she takes a deep breath and counts to four, and she feels better. And it's incredible to see a four-year-old handle their own tantrum and handle their own emotions through a simple song from Daniel Tiger. Another helpful one for us, unfortunately both her, her parents are congregational rabbis, so this comes up a lot. Parents, come back, right? We survive on that one. I mean, how many times that we need to put her with a babysitter and she's crying and she can't help herself and she's so upset that we're not going to be there to put her to sleep and then we, what we say, what would Daniel Tiger do? And she sings that song. Now, it would be interesting if those songs that are so helpful to people who watch Daniel Tiger, as I know a lot of other parents in the room, um, probably have similar stories. It's not because of the words themselves. The reason that our children remember those songs and they're so effective is because of the song, actually, right? There's a melody that they sing, and all of a sudden they are able to be able to remember those moments. I mean, my, my daughter knew the Shema when she was like basically uh, one years old. She was saying the Shema every night um, because we sang it to her, right? I mean, it's amazing the power of song to actually bring home lessons in our lives, to actually make moments eternal. I mean, I'm sure each of you, I, I know for me, there's this Arturo Sandoval album. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a jazz, jazz trumpet fan. So all my music before basically 18 was all jazz, so sorry, my deepest memories. Um, Arturo Sandoval is still one of the best trumpet players that's alive right now, and he had this incredible album he put out in the 90s. Um, Such a weird album, but I loved it. And every time I hear it, I think of Harry Potter. Why? Because, well, I was listening to that album when I was reading the entire Harry Potter series. And so forever and ever, I listen to that, that song comes on, I, I, all I see is Harry Potter. Right, and I'm sure you have moments of this like in your life. Right, where you hear a song come on the radio and it's like, back in 86 again, right? Or, or something like that. We have millions of songs that can bring us back in our memory to powerful moments in our lives. And that's the power song has for us. And I think it really comes out of our, our Torah portion this week. You see, in our Torah portion this week, we have the first song in the Torah. But what many of you don't know, it's actually the first song that the Jewish people ever sung. It's the first time that anyone ever sang a song to God, actually, according to our Midrash. Our Midrash actually lists the other heroes. Avraham, Avraham was saved from a fiery furnace, at least according to the Midrash. And Yitzchak, obviously, from Avraham's blade was saved. And, and Yaakov from Esau, and so on and so on. Yosef, 
I mean, you could just keep going. So, so many of our heroes all throughout Genesis were saved miraculously by God, but not one of them, the Midrash laments, and of course in God's voice, thought the need to sing to God, to actually sing their appreciation. Until, of course, we get to the Jewish people at the Song of the Sea who finally felt, okay, now is the time to sing. I'm going to sing and I'm going to immortalize this moment through this song, right? And actually, there's another Midrash on, on Song of the Sea that actually even goes further and say that God actually didn't rule in the world until this song was sung. Now, it's crazy, because like, God just did ten plagues. Like, he killed every firstborn of the Egyptian. God wasn't ruling then. God didn't prove it. If God's ruling is all about God proving God's power, then how is a measly song the thing that actually ensures that God is, is powerful, that God has a kingdom, right? It's a very strange kind of idea to make. But I think when we go in to try to understand what song really is in the end, I think it actually makes a lot more sense. You know, I think what song is and what's happening to us, I've always kind of pondered it myself as a musician, what is the magic that's happening when we listen to song? I think what's happening when we listen to song is we take a moment that we experience, a temporal, a passing moment, just a moment in time that we'll forget later, that will impact us for a little bit, but in the end, we'll just go and, and, and pass by. When we make a song about that moment, when we make a piece of art or even a, a painting or a dance or a piece of creative writing or something, everyone has different art, a poem, something, right? What actually happens is that moment becomes, two things happen to it. One, that moment becomes infinite. The lessons that you learn from that moment in time, that experience, how you felt in that moment becomes eternal. Right? It's not temporal anymore. It becomes an infinite. That's what I mean when you say, ah, that song comes on, I'm back in 86 in the back of the car again, right? It, it seems like a passing moment, but the song actually makes it eternal. And number two, it makes the experience communicable, right? An individual, as, as, as we know with the success of Taylor Swift, right? All of her, you know, high school experiences with boys and, well, not such high school experiences with boys, um, you know, that, that one might forget about it or just be individual experiences for Taylor Swift by her making them into a hit song, right? All of a sudden, they're in the conscious of all of, all of America, right? It's unbelievable the power of song to actually make moments that are passing both eternal and universal. And I think that's what was happening at the Song of the Sea. When the Jewish people woke up and sung a song about God's power, to sing a song about how the force that they thought would be their greatest enemy ended up being the force that actually destroyed their, their enemies, right? Remember that the Nile River was the god of Egypt, right? That was the central god of Egypt. When the Egyptians saw that the Jewish people were trapped by the sea, what did they say? Oh, thank God, this is great. Our guy's right there. Our God is right there. Of course, the Jews are all going to be gone by the sea because that's our God and our God's protecting us. But what happens, the great irony, is that the Jewish people walk through on dry land. They walk through the Egyptian God. And not only that, are they saved by the Egyptian God, of course, by our God, right? There is no Egyptian God, right? But that Egyptian God actually goes and destroys the, the, the very people who they thought it would save, right? And the eternal lesson of the Song of the Sea 
should be that God is always present, even in our most dark moments. God can turn around and save us and be there for us. And of course, boy, do we need that message right now, right? Boy, do we need that message right now. But if the Jewish people chose not to sing a song about it, it would be a moment in historical memory that would pass by, that wouldn't be remembered. It would just be, ah, thank God, Okay, we got through the problem that we had. The Egyptians were chasing us. Okay, the sea split. God saved us. Wonderful. Okay, we can forget about it now because we're done. The Egyptians are gone. Let's move on. That's actually the way we go about most of our lives. We think life is about just getting through the problems of the present moment and overcoming them, and then we could just, you know, keep going on. I mean, talk to how many kids are learning in school. They learn all these complicated math concepts for their math test, and then a day after the test, they forget about it. What was the point? If the knowledge doesn't stay and become an active force in your life, changing your behavior, there's no point of the experience itself. Yet over and over and over again, we as human beings, just, we just prioritize the present moment and solving the present problem, forgetting the wisdom that we actually learn from that problem. God gave us a chokhmah for that. God gave us a wisdom for that. An ability to sing, to make art about something, and making those moments eternal. And that's why, my friends, every single morning at Shachrit, the only song that we sing, the only time we sing a song that the Jewish people sung was the Song of the Sea. That's why we remember that moment every single morning because of that special song that the Jewish people sung. And we get to remember that moment and bring into our moment, bring into our lives, the fact that God does save, that even in our greatest moments of darkness, the things that we think are going to kill us can actually be the things that save us in the end, right? That message is brought through melody and song, yet so many of our schools, our public school systems, want to cut music budgets and cut art budgets. It's the first thing usually on the chopping block, and then they wonder why their children aren't absorbing any concepts they're learning, why they just learn it for the test and it passes away. Music and art in general is a way that enables to take our personal experiences to immortalize them and make them eternal so that we can learn from them forever and ever and ever. Each and every one of us can do this in our own lives. When we have personal moments where we feel like God is saving us, when we have personal moments in our lives that are impactful, that are important, where we learn an important lesson from it, the way that to prioritize and preserve those memories and preserve those lessons is through pausing to make art about it, right? Because then we actually learn from it eternally. It stays in our head. And of course, in conclusion, I really hope that this experience we're going through as a Jewish people, that at some point we pause and make art about it. I really do. I hope we, I, I really wonder what songs will we write about it? What paintings will we make? What sculptures will we, we create? What dances will we, what theater productions will we put on, right? Because that's going to determine actually how we remember this, what lessons we learn from the future. Because if we repeat the mistakes of the present moment, if we repeat what got into this again, I'm not sure I can live with it. And I'm not sure any of us can live with it. So what we have to most be asking, besides getting through this present moment, which is on all of our minds, is... How are we going to make sure this moment never happens again? How are we going to make sure that the lessons we learn are not temporary lessons for a day or two, but are lessons for eternity, that, are, that we absorb, that our children absorb, that become part of our very DNA as the Jewish people to make sure that nothing like this can ever happen again? 
I, that's my prayer today. I hope we sing the right songs. I hope we have the courage to think beyond it for a second and think about how we're reflecting. Are we making time in our own personal lives to remember and, and, and eternalize the lessons we've learned? And hopefully in Israel, how will they learn the lessons of the present moment in order to make sure, God forbid, to fulfill the injunction that we've been all been saying for way too long but not doing enough about never again? Shabbat Shalom, everybody.